Hi there, this is Andrea Ray, and I'm really excited to be interviewing Kelly McNillis, who's the founder of Women for One. And I've personally really enjoyed watching Women for One flourish over the last few years and just witnessed um, the growth of Kelly's business coming for, from such a truly authentic place. So just can't wait to chat about some heart writing. Um, Kelly, would you like to tell us a little bit more about Women for One and the journey in founding Women for One? Sure. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Um, <clears throat> Women for One actually started out of a place where I um, was looking to find my own authenticity and truth. And I had mm. um, come from a place of I, I, I'm a mom of three children and of three stepchildren. So I have a lot of children mm. and I had re-blended a family. And I've been through a lot of things that um, many of us, all of us, deal with in life. A, a death of a dear friend, a, mm. a divorce, and I was at a place in my life where I felt like things had settled. I had blended my family successfully or as successfully as you can and moving forward <laughs> in the process. And I, I've always been a seeker of truth, and I've always my, – my greatest passion in life is my own self-growth. So I just felt like I was at this place where I wanted to write. Truly, that's that's what I told mm. myself. I just want to write. Mm-hmm. I want to write about my experiences um, and connect. And I, I've always been a connector of women. So I actually sat down one day and I meditated, like I do often. And I heard the the, the words "women for one." They just came right mm. through me. And I went and got the URL, <laughs> and it was available. <laughs> and then I heard "global movement for women." Mm. I heard the global movement. So. It was interesting to hear the word movement because that is something that is not of me. It's a movement where everybody joins. It's a community where everybody Mm -hmm. joins in like mind. So that's kind of the next step I took. But I was really surrendered to what it was going to be and and, and surrendered myself to being the channel for it to come through me instead of Mm -hmm. it being about me. And so from there, I have experience in nonprofit. And and also been a, a great connector of people my whole life. I I grew up and I went to 17 schools K to 12. So my survival skill was getting to know people and fitting in. Mm-hmm. So I always connected people and connected with people. And then um, I decided that I at first with Women for One, I wanted to highlight the great things women were doing around the world. And that was my mm-hmm. first my first endeavor. So I would just write these little blogs, and it, was, it, it took a lot of courage for me to do that, um, where I would write these tiny little blogs where I, I would say, you know, this is this month, and we're going to highlight this woman over in the other side of the world doing great things for her community. And a couple months into it, I was like, you're almost there. It's going to evolve, but women need to share their stories like you do. Mm-hmm. And so from that, I heard the global movement of authenticity and inspiration. And I realized that so many of us, all of us around the world, are sitting with these stories that we tell ourselves. And then also the experiences that we, we've had. And we're, we're actually reframing them in our own mind. And we're hiding them. I mean, there's so many places. The hiding, the reframing, the secret mm. keeping, and then also trying to live up to some idealized image that we personally have created for ourselves. And I, my goal was to dispel all of that, to allow people to share their truth, to share their experiences so that they could come together and inspire one another through their wisdom and their experiences to create a powerful new vision for their lives.
that's what I did. <laughs> mm. That's beautiful. I just yeah, it's really great to kind of keep kind of fill in the gaps and kind of like hear hear some of hear some of that background. It's kind of like I love hearing you know because a lot of the people in the heart running classes are curious about that place of channeling and really responding to that that inner voice and that inner knowing. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it really sounds like you really honoured that inner knowing. I'm wondering whether you always followed your inner knowing or whether you've gone through a process. Um, of denying that, you know, how's that with you? Well, I would say, you know, what happened was in my life in general, you know, I, I when my father died when I was 17, it was my first experience, kind of whatever you want to name, God, the heart, truth, whatever your name for it is. Because I, I was flying back from Europe and I experienced him going through my body and he wasn't supposed to die. Like, it wasn't mm. like he was, I mean, he was ill, but he wasn't deathly ill. And I felt this immense freedom. My heart opened wide. And I really, it kind of opened me up to the place of, <laughs> sorry, um, it opened me up to the place where I felt like there was another God or truth for the first time mm. ever in my life. So from that place, I became a real conscious seeker of understanding truth and of understanding the heart. And then I went into a place of, you know, getting married. I lived, well, first of all, I lived with a guru in India, was a seeker there. But then I went into a place of getting married and having children and trying to kind of go into that idealized image of what it is like to be a wife and a mother and a friend. And I I, I feel like I lost myself, truly, Mm -hmm. um, for a while. And then coming out of that, when you said, you know, what what was the process, when I decided that this was not what was supposed to be, what was supposed to be in my life, I really got that I needed to come back to myself, find my heart space, understand what my truth is and how I define that for myself, and that is when I decided to kind of surrender and move into the heart space more. Mm. And then it sounds like from that process was when you started to kind of hear, started to hear, did you always kind of hear, get, receive that guidance, that channeled guidance? Absolutely. I think the mm-hmm. more, it's like a muscle, right? The more yeah. you surrender and the more you go, okay, <laughs> I'm going to surrender to what my heart tells me and mm-hmm. what, what I, the, the more that intuitive muscle gets larger and larger because it's mm-hmm. more like, you know, whenever you put attention on one thing, like when you work out, you put your attention on working out and getting your body in shape, your body will get in shape. I put my intention and focus on my intuition, listening to it. I took classes around it. I went to a healing school for four years to understand my own personal pain and process and really started trusting myself and the universe. And I think that word trust is huge in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think trust, trust is, is um, like almost like I'm thinking of it, like an intersection, you know, because I, I have certain, I'm, it's, it's fun to kind of pick it apart a little bit because that's what I think people who are taking the class can find really useful, the heart running class, that this, you know, that, that, intersection of what the mind is saying and what the heart is saying and how to kind of integrate the two, I guess. Um, and, and I hear the word yeah. discern, 
not even in the brain as much for me as discern your mind and heart and mm-hmm. how, you know, what the differentiate, differentiate between the two and then integrate. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of fascinating, isn't it, the way that we receive, because the way that we receive this channeled guidance, um, because, you know, the mind is involved, isn't it? We, we receive this channel, this kind of higher guidance. And then, you know, with women for one, then you've got to go out and, and use the mind <laughs> to kind of work out how that's going to be, you know, brought into the world. You know, but I had this great coach when I started Women for One, and she mm-hmm. said something to me one day, because I, I, I've done a lot of nonprofit startups, so I would come in, they would hire me to, there was a cause, there was a mission, a vision, there were people, but they didn't know how to take it to fruition. So I was the one that was kind of the conduit in that. So I, mm-hmm. I approached Women for One in that way, and she was so helpful to me, because she said, this is different. This is your heart's longing. This mm-hmm. is your passion. This is about... This is about you, but this has nothing to do with you. So you need to mm-hmm. set your intent to be the channel for what needs to happen and, and really trust your intuition 100%. That's why I wanted to go back mm-hmm. to that word trust, 100% mm-hmm. of the time. And, you know, it's always challenging for us to do that in any part of life, but it, it really was a great and still is an incredible exercise for me. With Women for One, if I hear no, I do not do it, and I do not mm. take it personally. I do not get, you know, as to the best of my ability, right? It's all percentages. I do not, I do not take anything personally that I hear no about. Like, no, you're not going to do that. I don't. I set my intent to not get my ego involved to the best of my ability. And if I hear yes, and I really, my ego doesn't want to do it, I still do it. And it's a mm-hmm. great practice for life. Right? It's a great practice for my whole life, and I'm practicing it through Women for One to, to hopefully in percentages get better when I'm more emotionally attached in my life to something, if that makes sense. Mm. To, you know. That's great. And, you know, the, I think that bringing up that kind of ego element when it comes to this heart guidance is, is a really important thing, you know, to reflect on. And it's, it, I, I can relate to that you know, getting that sense and, you know, really when you get that, get that, yes, get that thing that you need to, need to um, do, but then you get this kind of interference from the ego. Um, I think it's an important skill, again, a muscle to kind of flex, to be able to keep on moving through. What's fascinating, I think, can be the feeling in the body, the how, how we feel in the body in response to that kind of ego interference. Do you have any, do you have that experience in the body as well? Oh, yeah, I've got all kinds of blocks in my body like we all do. Um, but I, I would talk about first, though, my heart yeah. center, which is fascinating. I didn't realize, and I wanted to say this before, that I hadn't felt physically felt my heart since I was a little kid until about, mm-hmm. I would say, about eight years ago when I was going through that transformative process in my healing school. And, mm-hmm. and really, the healing school... A lot of practitioners joined, massage practitioners, energy practitioners, therapists. I joined to grow. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm here for me. I can I learned the energy hand positions. We learned all kinds of things about Barbara Brennan's info and Native American shamanism and Reiki. Yep. And, it, it, great skills. But it, I was there for me and my happiness and joy and truth. Mm. And I remember sitting there one day and I actually – physically, in my heart, felt it. 
And I was like, I looked at my teacher, I was like, my heart is aching right now. And it's true. It's like something just burst open and some layers shifted from me setting my intent to look at all of my my darkness and my experiences and my lightness and everything hmm. and, and to surrender to that process, I felt my heart. So when I make huge decisions for Women for One and hopefully in my life more and more, I center myself and I, I, okay. I feel it in my heart. I drop down into my heart and I ask, is this, is this right? Is this, and mm-hmm. and I, I usually hear yes or no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a critical skill, isn't it? That yes or no. It's something I do a lot with um, with clients and or in classes. Is is that critical skill of connecting into the heart space and giving you yeses and noes? Yeah, it gives, absolutely. It's, a, it's important, um, and I love hearing about that detail. That detail, because you know, I think that's part of our process when we do this introspective work. And you know, you've done a lot of a lot of work, so then. You know, you come to that place of, yeah, eight years ago I started to feel, really feel my heart, but you put work into it in order to kind of get to that place. Many years of work. And I, it never ends, right? I, it's just mm-hmm. constant. It's just you mm-hmm. keep growing and growing. And, you know, with Women for One, being able to speak with all these people that have done so much work in their own lives mm-hmm. and for the world has opened my eyes and, and, and my soul to what incredible possibility there is for everyone in this world. And really, it, it, it is limitless, your possibilities mm-hmm. of manifesting whatever you want. If yeah. you don't believe that, it's not going to happen. But when you believe it, you can manifest anything you want. If, you, mm-hmm. if your soul, if you're aligned, your heart and mind are aligned with that belief system, it, does, it actually works. <laughs> I was like, wow, this really works. When I am surrendering my surrendering to my intuition around women for one, it goes exactly where it should be. When I yeah. start catching myself and I'm getting my ego involved, or I'm getting frustrated, or I'm I'm I, when you talk about the blockages, the, the blockages I feel are when I get physically drained, mm-hmm. and um, I feel mentally and physically drained by women for one because I'm like, wait a minute. This is my passion. You know, I did this to grow, and I'm going to feel physically and mentally drained sometimes, but why am I feeling that way? Where do I feel it in my body? And, you know, what what situation is presenting itself right now that I feel that way with, and why? Mm. Those are the questions I ask. Mm. And I'd love to hear, too, more about your personal writing process and how kind of, you know, the role that that plays um, in helping you to move through some of these blockages um, and get mm-hmm. to know yourself more deeply. Well, I, I've had many challenges, as I, I'm sure we all do with our writing process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the growth process. It's a it's a metaphor for it for me. And as I do in my own life, I've had to use many different techniques to address the the resistance, if you mm-hmm. want to use that word, um, in getting those words out. And one of them is I feel like I'm um, very good at verbally processing. And so one of the things I've done for my writing process, um, which is just a, a practical thing, is I, I've spoken into a recorder and had, mm-hmm. had it, trans, it transcribed. Um, I, I spoke last week, I spoke into a recorder for 35 minutes and I got 14 blogs out. Wow. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, 
and the other thing I do when I speak, I don't filter, as you can tell. So I, I obviously have to go back, edit, and write it after that. But I have something down for me to start with. It's mm-hmm. almost like mm-hmm. I need a draft. I need something down. And, and the other thing I do is I go back and, and I, I give myself space and then I go back the next day and I go back the next day. So not from a perfectionistic place, from a, is that what my heart is saying? That's mm-hmm. the question I ask myself. Is that what my heart is saying? And the one thing I really work on is I don't try to get it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't try to sound or, or or it's not about the looking good of the writing. And, I mean, you can mm-hmm. tell with my writing style. I've been very clear from the very, very beginning of Women for One that I want to include every single person on this planet to share their story. So mm-hmm. if we have perfected writing on our site all the time, yeah. it's too intimidating yeah. for people to come to. So mm-hmm. we have an editor, but it's not a formal editor. We have somebody looking mm-hmm. to make sure it makes sense and that there's not typos. We do not edit stories for them to sound beautifully written. And it's a mm-hmm. very clear intention of, of, of mine to do that because there's so many people that are so intimidating about sharing. And the great courageous step is sharing, not perfected writing. Mm-hmm. To me personally, so that's kind of where I go with with my own process and with women for one. I don't try to get it right, and mm-hmm. I use a lot of verbal and different techniques. And I find when I exercise and I do yoga, that is when mm-hmm. I get my greatest inspiration. So I always have something next to me that I write things down on, or I just put it on my phone. I'll like, wow, oh my goodness, I can't forget that. So the other day, I, I'm, I'm speaking next week at Northwest Women's Show, and I heard the word secrets. Secrets. You need to speak about secrets at Northwest Women's Show. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so wrote it down. But what about secrets? Can we keep secrets? And so then I just go from there. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so you, and what I'm hearing in that is is that you've really refined that um, that listening listening to the heart and then putting it onto the page. Which is what right. new new for some of the people taking the class, and for others it's not new. For others, they've really experienced with with that, but like us all, are wanting to take it a little bit further. Um, but it's you know, I love that example. It's like I'm exercising, I'm doing yoga, and then the clarity comes. You know, the energy is flowing. You're in a clear place, and then you hear very clearly through the heart. Um, yeah, that's really useful. I but I think we, don't, don't you oh, think that we all hear things, but it's more mm-hmm. of like a radio channel we need to tune into because I yeah. know, and, and that's where that trust, coming back to the trust and the mm-hmm. surrender, trust and surrender element. It's like we hear things <laughs> and we, we don't even notice them because we haven't put our attention on them, the attention to create an intention around. So then you move forward and you're like, oh, yeah, that was just a passing thought. You don't give it that value of, wow, that could be a mm-hmm. whole creative piece right there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's such a mystery, it's a mystery, right? And that's why I get excited, and that's what my growth is about, the mystery of the universe. I'm like, wow, I wonder why Secrets was placed in my brain yeah. <laughs> and in my heart. Like, hmm, okay, let's explore it. And then it's like, because I literally, I have general goals for Women for One, and I have general strategy. I do not have any kind of end product in mind, because that's the excitement. It's the mystery of the process. That's Mm -hmm. the fun for me. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. that heart mystery. 
it's like, wow, what what am I going to get presented with today? Mm. But what I what I hear in that too is that you're that you're aligned with the heart, so you're aligned like um you know. I'll use that language around high vibration experiences and, you know, how do we know kind of when we're going in the direction um, kind of for our highest good is to kind of really tune into that, you know, are we going towards kind of something that you experience as a high vibration experience, something that you're excited about, something that you're passionate about. Like those Mm -hmm. are kind of visceral, visceral indicators that we are kind of on the right path. Like should it look a certain way? You know, should women for one look a certain way in five years or whatever you know, which is often language that other people will use, or should it, you know, be, I love hearing about how present you are to the moment, to honoring that, to, and then having fun with it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, what's great about that is there's always, <laughs> as the universe does, it always throws you a, it throws you a zinger. Right, and I'll give mm-hmm. you an example. So recently, you know, I've interviewed some incredibly well-known people, and mm-hmm. they haven't always been my favorite interviews, my favorite yeah. conversations. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's about that connection, and it's about what resonates for you, and to be true to yourself. And so, recently, I um, received a, a response from a very large, uh, well-known person that would be great to have on my site. It'd be great. But mm-hmm. I got challenged by their PR people and kept getting, like, challenged about how big I am or what my intention was. And and I, I surrendered. I had to surrender because at first I really wanted to speak with them for many reasons. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. noticed it was my ego. And I went, you know what? My intention is very pure with one for one. It's authentic. And if it's a problem for these people because I'm not going to give enough or do enough for them or promote them enough. Mm. I'm not aligned with that. And it was a great process to go through with that aligning. And so I surrendered and I wrote back and said, yeah, I'm not going to share any more information with you. If you'd like to move forward with this, we'd love to speak with this person. And you know what? About a week later, I got an email directly from the person instead of their PR people thanking me and wanting to speak with me. And, and right there, that was the boundary place of understanding if you're aligned with your heart or not. Like I had to pull out and go, why am I not feeling good in my heart about this? Why is this feeling <laughs> icky? That was my word, icky. Yeah. Why is this not yeah. feeling right? Because it wasn't aligned with my vision. I'm not trying to get anything from this person. I just wanted to have yeah. a great authentic conversation with them. So, you know, but it, it has to be that equal exchange and it has to be aligned with my heart and women for one's heart's vision, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's really perfect. Um, where do I want to go with that? So, so heart writing, have you, we have a lot of people who are dealing with a lot of different um, grief experiences and, and what I kind mm-hmm. of see on the website, I mean, there's some amazing stories on on women for one, and it's really I'm always inspired when I when I click on and read read the kind of these authentic stories of grief. And so I just wonder what your thoughts are about grief and how writing can help us. <laughs> you know, as much as grief is such an intense subject to speak about, um, I feel like it has been I've been surrounded with grief and death and loss for the past, I would say, 10 years in a really profound way in my personal life and in my professional life. And uh, I I, I lost my dad suddenly, I said, when I was 16 or 17. And 
I'm 45 now, and I lost a very dear friend seven years ago, and I was with her when she left her body. And I nursed mm-hmm. her through her last month or two of life, and it was the most profound experience I've ever I've ever had in my whole life. There, there's nothing that can compare. It is it was equally like a birth to me as the death was, and and there's so much wrapped around birth and death for us. And I mean, it really is. It's our mortality. It's it it is such a deep concept, and there's so much richness and wisdom and experience and learning with it. And yet, there's this other place where because of her death. I started working, and I ended up being the, the president of a board for an organization in Seattle called Soul of the Nation, which takes pictures of mm-hmm. children with life-threatening illnesses to establish a legacy for them. And we expanded it to take pictures of parents with children um, under the age mm-hmm. of 18. Cause we can't take pictures of everybody because that would be the whole population because they all die. <laughs> um, but but it, it was an incredible experience to be around that beautiful energy. And a lot of times people are like beautiful energy when I'm talking about mm-hmm. death. But, but it, 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 was, um, it was the most life-altering experience I had being with my friend Jules when she passed. And it, mm-hmm. it's, as you can tell, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding any words to explain it other than it was a heartfelt experience. The lessons before, the lessons that still come from it now, and it's my easiest place to go into and feel my heart is thinking about all of the wisdom and knowledge I gained from from Jules' death and mm. from being with this organization, Soul of the Nation, and seeing the love that that emerges when there's really nothing else. Everything else falls away. It's like peeling the onion. And all there's mm-hmm. left is just this essence of a person and the mm-hmm. essence of their connection with each each one of their loved ones around them. There's nothing like it. So mm-hmm. my process with with grief, um, it's interesting. I, I ran into, I know you've heard of uh, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. She wrote My Stroke of Insight on a plane. And she was the one that had a stroke. She was on Oprah. She has the, the largest TED Talk of in the history of TED Talks. But she mm-hmm. had a stroke and, and was a neuroscientist and she had a stroke. She studied strokes and then she had one. And she actually had to learn her way back from being a baby again, all, physically and mentally, yeah. like all, not mentally, but physically, all the way back. And I, I went into her on a plane. We sat next to each other and we became like soul sisters. And she had just lost her best friend. And she had done this incredible ceremony and I had just lost mine this incredible ceremony around her dear friend Kat's uh, passing where they honored her and they treated it like a, a, a celebratory event and a death. And we've talked about really shifting the way society looks at death, especially in America and the Western society and how it's such a horrific experience, shifting it into highlighting the beauty and the wisdom mm-hmm. and the lessons. So that's kind of where I am around that space. But I didn't really answer your question. I just love speaking about grief and loss because I feel like it's it's such a taboo subject for mainstream society. I know a, a lot of the, the people that are writers are are, are are feeling into their hearts a lot more about it. But I feel like writing about this, writing about your any experiences in your life, 
when they're so raw can be Mm -hmm. one of the most profound ways of gaining lessons and wisdom for anyone Mm. in this world. Mm. Now, I think it's really useful for people to hear, you know, just to to hear how other people have gone through that process. Um, And, you know, because one of the conversations I think that that happens a lot in the heart writing group is around, because what I hear is some of that and relate to is some of that kind of wordless place with grief. Like mm-hmm. the, one of the ways that I describe with grief sometimes, because this is from a kind of tradition, I, I you know, teach a little bit about traditional Chinese medicine and the five element theory and the mm-hmm. way that with grief, like we can't, we can't go to grief with someone. So if I have a client that I'm working with, like I can be present and I can help them in that process, but I can't, I can't go there with them. You know, it's like, and so we all end up in that place where we have to learn how to be with our grief, and sometimes our grief is wordless. You know, sometimes... It is wordless to me, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And I think, but I actually think that's the essential consciousness. It is an essential aspect of the consciousness of grief. And we're afraid to be there because it's wordless. And it's, you know, it can be barren. It can feel very isolated. And so... You know, we're looking for this pop of insight. This, like, you know, and we still get these ahas, but but a lot of people want to want to go deep in their heart writing, and so often I'm like presenting that perspective that like, is that what's meant to happen right now? You know, mm-hmm. is that like, so is it resistance, or you know, sometimes you know that wordless place is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's just it's just perfect. You know, um, it just you know. is. Mm-hmm. It just is, and I think the lessons come for so many years and decades and lifetimes and whatever you want to call it after the experience and before the experience. I mean, it's just, you know, I think almost when you're when you're in the experience of grief, there's nothing to do mm-hmm. except exactly. except yeah. move move into your heart and allow for it. Uh-huh. And then what I see is kind of like on on um, women for one is is this kind of like years later or, or whenever, you know, it doesn't matter in terms of timing, but whenever it feels right, now I'm ready to express in words, you know, the grief that I've experienced. Now I'm ready to express kind of the trauma and have that witnessed and then us all learn, you know, learn more about how to be present to ourselves. You know, Absolutely. And what I've experienced in hearing all the different stories that have been shared and um, I'm about to interview Miriam Pearl who lost her husband, I don't remember, Daniel Pearl, he lost, he got beheaded right after 9/11. It was horrific. Mm-hmm. And um, I and reading her book, A Mighty Heart, compared to someone that has lost somebody and is still grieving. You know, so many people they react so differently, and, and there's no right or wrong. It's like she mm-hmm. went out and she still wants to talk about it, and not in a belaboring way, but in a way to shift the world and shift consciousness. And she yeah. wants to carry on his name. And and some people really can't go there, and they, I think truly they need to honor that. I don't think there should be any judgment about a way that we move through our grief or experience it. I think we just need to allow for it and, and mm-hmm. sit with it in, in as non-judgmental a space as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Non-judgment, really, just non-judgment in these kind of emotional experiences. Um, right. I'd love to... Yeah, as we come into kind of like the the last few minutes, I I wanted to just um, hear you just you have done a number of really inspiring interviews, and I wondered whether there were some that you wanted to talk about kind of in this interview. Well, I've done some incredible um, 
conversations with people, and it's been it's been so wild because I did. People are like, "Well, how do you get to speak with Don Miguel Ruiz or Maya Angelou?" And I I say, I just wrote to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, from that pure intent, I really did. I don't I don't have connections. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. whatever that means. I I literally set my intent. And the more I believed I could speak to the people I wanted to speak with, the more it happened. Mm-hmm. I still haven't hit my, my idol, which I don't think anybody should have an idol, but I do. And I, someday I hope to speak with Paolo Coelho because he's my he's, – I've read all of his books, and he is the person that I – you know, if they say if you ever want to meet somebody, he'd be the one. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like some of the – some of the most amazing conversations and heartfelt conversations haven't been with the people that are as as well known as some others. Um, as I told you before, I've recently spoken with Dominique Christina. Mm-hmm. She is international slam poetry champion for the past two years, and she, because I did speak with Maya Angelou, she she's like a young Maya Angelou in her in her words, and as she spoke, I, I felt my heart. I felt I, I was in tears interviewing her but because she comes directly from that heart space with her words and her writing. And to, to be able to ask her those questions, like, we're, I was blown away. I didn't even know what to ask her. Like, how are you doing? How are you coming from this place all mm-hmm. the time? And she talked about her childhood and her family and her, what, how she was raised to do that from a very young age and that we can all be in that heart space if we want to. Um, and that so I, I do want to say, though, that I think the most important thing is not what you hear or how you're inspired by when you talk to people. It's really, and I know you agree with this, um, is what you feel in your body when you're speaking mm. with someone and getting in tune with that. Like, you know, there have been people I've spoken with. I've learned more about myself about uh, when I've spoken with, with people, especially in Women for One interviews, um, about how I felt in my physical body before the interview, during it, and after than the actual words that came out. I, mm-hmm. I, I interviewed one woman, and bef- and she's very well-known, and I, my body was on fire before <laughs> I called her. And wow. as I was, I, I was like, Oh my goodness! <laughs> and she held a lot. I talk about the elements. She held a lot of fire in her body. Mm-hmm. I could feel it when I spoke with her. She was sharp. She was boom, 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 and and it was it was interesting because her writing was so different. Her writing was from this heart space, but the fire was in her physical body. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. So I I got because I I'm not comfortable with that feeling. I got a little anxious. And the next time I felt that with another person who I'll tell you, um, Jeff Brown, who I just absolutely adore, and mm-hmm. he's oh, yeah. become a, fr- a friend of mine now. Um, I, I named it when I got on the phone, and this is kind of humorous. I said, okay, I've only felt this one other time with someone, and I just want to name before we start that my body's completely on fire before I talk to you. And you know what he said? Talk about no ego. He goes, Kelly, I'm a donut-eating Canadian, okay? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I go... Okay, Jeff, like that, and we started here. It just totally took it, you know, took the stars off of it. But I did, and what I realized from that interview, he is so intellectual. I mean, he he can integrate his heart, but he's so brilliant. The mm. fire was about the speed of his intellect, and and mm. integrating with that the heart so quickly 
it wasn't about fire from this powerful rage or any, you know, the, the idealized images I had in my head about it. So it was kind of cool to just name it and then dispel mm-hmm. that energy and allow for the interview to occur then instead of just holding that and trying to do the right thing earlier in my interview time, you know, where I was like, okay, I just have to hold it together <laughs> when I feel this. <laughs> so that was that's, that's all I have to say. The physical feeling, coming back to that, was the, 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 is some of the most important feelings, the feelings that I integrate my heart with my body and how it feels when mm. I experience another person and their soul. It is very telling to me, and it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, and I also wanted to just um, say, like, have you got, you're doing a radio show at the moment. You know, I think that people would love to hear a bit more about that. Well, I just, absolutely. I met a woman online through my social media, and um, her name is Lisa McGilvery, and she's in Perth, Australia, so she's a fellow Aussie. (laughs) And she... um, started something there called Positive Women's Movement, and we started going back and forth and had a Skype one day and decided, you know what, we want to do a radio show called The Global Sisterhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of another one of those, what should we call it? We both, we both thought of it like it was weird. We came back to it with <laughs> almost the same name, and we thought how cool would it be to have two women from all across the world, all the way across the world, interviewing women from all different cultures to find the commonalities and the differences to support one another in sharing their stories and vision for the world. So we started that, and it's been fabulous, and we currently host it on Blog Talk Radio, and we post them, and we promote it on Women for One and on her site, Positive Women's Movement. Um, But I'm doing that, and we have, I'm speaking at the Northwest Women's Show. We have a a workshop happening at Willow's Lodge in the fall with a colleague of mine to integrate the mind and body, which I'm working on. And we're just expanding Women for One. We're always asking women and, and men to share their stories and their wisdom on our site. And you just go to womenforone.com backslash share, and you have all the guidelines there. And you become a truth teller as well. Um, and I'm honored to have you on our site. Mm. That's beautiful. And, yeah, I, I will just say to people who are listening to this recording, definitely go check that out because I think there's a lot of people with some great stories that are taking the heart writing classes. And, um, I oh, I'd love to hear love- them. Yeah, exactly. Love I think that, you know, I think that's that's the power, isn't it? Like expanding that and sharing our stories and being honest and authentic. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having this conversation. It was so wonderful to speak with you. Thanks oh, for and what thank you're you. doing in the world. I, this was a really great. I love this conversation. I think this was obviously just a. I could talk forever with you, but it's like great conversation. But just I think there's a lot of really useful information for people to kind of help them go deeper with their their process. So, yay! Wonderful. We're all on a journey. Thank you, Andrea. Really great to talk to you. Yeah, great to talk to you too. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Take care. <laughs>